Hello, good evening and welcome to episode 30 of Chalk Talk. I'm not quite sure where them 30 shows have gone. Hope you've all had a great week. I've got two very special guests tonight in the pool and snooker world. We have Michaela Tab and Ross McInnes. Hello. Hey. How are you both doing, guys? You okay? Yeah, it's Friday. <laughs> yeah, correct, yeah. No better reason to be happy. Really excited to have you both here. You know, you were you were two names that popped up quite early into me doing the show. Um, Ross, you've had many mentions on the show, so uh, this will be this will be good. I'm looking forward to this. Any really good ones? <laughs> uh, they're all good. They're all good, Ross. I've I've only heard good things, so you know. I'll need to give you some names of folk that won't be so nice then. <laughs> yeah, do, do that, and I'll get them in before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, brilliant. Um, if you've got any questions for Michaela and Ross, please send them through to myself on Facebook or send them through microbrewradio.com and I will get them asked for you. So we'll get started, guys. Firstly, I'm quite interested to hear about the story of you guys meeting and, and getting together and all of that. Well, I started playing for Scotland Ladies um, pool team, I think it was 91. And the first time I met Ross was at, was it? Was it an international event? Was that the first time? No, no, it was Kaleo. Playing on an event. Aye, yeah. Okay. I remember that. Oh, well, I, we've always said this because he's always thought it was in uh, one of these weekend pool events you okay. know, when you go to a hotel in yeah, the yeah. days. In fact, you know what? I remember specifically something about that particular um, event it, or one similar. Eh? Wayne Fryer and Keith Brewer were playing and they took like about five hours. They kept, oh, no, they were slogging no. each other out. It was, uh, it was Keith, yeah, but it was great fun. Oh, sorry, you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was hilarious. It was one of those events, anyway, okay. back in the day, when we actually all used to play together, because politics has obviously sort of separated the pool world a little yeah. bit, but those weekend events were amazing. Um, he reckons that's the first time he met me, and I, I, that kind of been because you said I was chasing you. Well, I wouldn't have chased you at that point, because I thought you were an arrogant bee when I first met you. <laughs> I think we met at an international pool event. We met we met in Carlisle at a weekend event. <laughs> I was playing cards with Del Mercado, Mick, and someone else, I can't remember. She came over and she says, you Ross McInnes, do you do coaching? And I went, no. She walked away and Mick turned around and says, did you have a look at that? And I went, how? And I stood up and I turned around and I went, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That's, That's brilliant. Truth. That's excellent. No, it's great. It's a, it's a great story. So Rob Chambers recommended you both for the show originally, um, assuming you know Rob, seeing as he recommended we you. We love Rob. <laughs> That's we good. love Rob, That's yeah. good. Do you have any words of encouragement for him right now? Because obviously he's out in Malta playing for playing for England. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I hope he's not playing very well because all the Scotland mob are out there as well. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Rob, Rob's one of the best. He's uh, He was a great talent in his younger days and he's just got so much enthusiasm for the game. He's just... A, just a brilliant boy. He's an absolutely brilliant boy. Yeah, he's he's great. He's great. He's he's you know, young John. Yeah, the two of them. It was great to have them both on the show, and that's I think that was the first show when you got quite a lot of mention, Ross. I think that was my third or fourth show, and uh, yeah, that's when that's when it started. Um, but at that point, I didn't know that you guys were were a couple, so it was you know for me to then figure that out. I thought to get you both on the show together would be would be class, and here we are. Look at this. It's there all good we stuff. Go. So. Michaela, the first woman to officiate at a professional ranking snooker tournament and you've refereed the championship finals as well. That must be an incredible feeling. It was. I, um, I mean, 
the first couple of years when I started, because I was headhunted, it wasn't um, that I grew through the ranks that snooker uh, referees had done previous to that. So it was a real, real struggle. The first couple of years were really tough. Um, you could imagine there was a number of the um, my male counterparts at that time that were not impressed whatsoever yeah. that I'd been brought onto the scene, especially because I'd been fast-tracked. So th- there was a there was a good fifty percent weren't in my corner, which made it hard when you're working with these people. I can imagine, yeah. But yeah, I just I I decided that I had to give it a go and just to put my head down and work hard. And actually, that stood me in good stead because I always felt as if every time I went out onto the table, I had to give more than a hundred percent because I couldn't afford to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. If any of the guys had made a mistake, it's obvious. Um, it, it's it was a guy. That's all. But whereas if I made a mistake, it was Michaela yeah. or her, because it was only me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, the buck stopped with me at that point. So I did work hard, and and it really did. Um, it did me well because I think it meant my standard, my standard or my level of a good match or a good referee was was potentially higher. I I would say than some of the males at that time. Um, so I, I could only improve and and therefore work towards my first final, my first ranking event, because I didn't start with a pro tour. No. So, um, and obviously that, you know, that, that did, because I started in 2002 and 2007, I did my first uh, ranking event final, which was a Welsh Open, it was a fabulous, fabulous final. And then I, in 2018, I did the Masters, and then it was like the stepping stone. You went from your first final to a Masters final. And then uh, that was 2008, and then 2009 on to the, the, the world. So um, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I, I still, to this day, know how I felt when I walked out for the first time. It, it was it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I bet it was. I mean, how did you come into, you know, snooker refereeing? Well, Ross got me involved in the refereeing to start with. That was his fault. Um, he, was, what was the event? St Andrew's Cup. St Andrew's Cup in Glasgow. Yeah. Um, it was a nine ball event that was in Scotland at that time. It was an annual event and he played in it. And, and I was obviously playing for Scotland at um, that time. So I could play pool. And they never had a ref in Scotland to come up for the nine ball. So they always brought one up from England. And Ross saw an opportunity and said, I'm going to suggest to the organiser, who's Matchroom, it was Matchroom Sports, mm-hmm. that um, you could do that or you're, you're the ref. You're now our you know, American pool ref. Uh, and so we did. And Sharon said, well, get Michaela to send down a CV and a photo. So we made one up because I had yeah. never ref nine ball. I'd never played nine ball. I'd never ref nine ball in my life. So we, we made the CV up and sent a photo down and I got the job. Um, and all it all there. started from there. So it's all his fault. But what was hilarious about that, and it wasn't at the time, by the way, because I was absolutely terrified. Oh, and bless him, Sid Waddell. He was wonderful. He was so supportive. Didn't, didn't never met me before, but he was just a lovely guy. Um, and he's like, right, this is how we do it. And you say this at the beginning of the match, and then we go on and start the commentary sort of thing. And at the beginning of every frame, you announce the score and la, la, la. Um, but I had, when I'd been given the role, I googled American pool rules so I got the rules for American nine ball and they were about two pages and I thought this is this is a piece of nonsense this this is going to be I wasn't going to say that there (laughs) this is really easy Uh, and we were out there and it was I remember it specifically it was Jimmy White and Rob McKenna and 
they lagged and Jimmy went in off. He hit the top cushion and came back and went in off. And I had no idea. I had no. I didn't know what to do because that wasn't in my two pages of rules. Okay. And Ross, thank God, was at the side and pointed to Rob. And so I've gone, Rob McKenna wins the lag, as if I knew exactly what I was doing. I had no idea. I found out after that event, it was just a one-day event, but I found out after that event that there's a general set of billiard rules, okay. which is God knows how many pages thick. And then... You on top of that, you then had the rules for nine ball, eight ball, ten ball, straight pool, all these other games. But I didn't have, I knew nothing <laughs> about this other set of rules, so I, I had a lot of learning to do. But I got got through that day and got asked back basically. So that's kind of how it all started. And of course, World Snooker had seen there was this female out there doing live TV and and doing it very well with the the pool, the American pool, because at that point we had the World Championships. Um, that were being broadcast live. It was a nine-day event, and I was the head referee for that. So they saw there was this female out there, and that's when they got in touch and asked if I'd be interested in doing snooker. Oh, that's, so, that's brilliant. So yeah, it was uh, it's quite a story really, but it all started from his nibs here having a have <laughs> seen a wee opportunity for a bit of money. Eh, Ross? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. It's. I mean, it certainly worked out by the looks of things. How much of a statement do you believe this is set for female officials? Well, it's incredible now when you turn on because I, I reckon 15, 50% of the, the refs that are at the events nowadays are female. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to see that because I know that I was the one that started that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I, it's my legacy, I suppose, to the game that we've been able to change the face of it and have a, a better, an equal split on refs. Uh, and I'm really, really, I'm really proud of everything that I achieved, absolutely everything that I achieved in the world of snooker. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you for that answer. I'll let you have a, a little breather while I speak to Ross for a minute. <laughs> How are you doing, Ross? You okay? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good stuff here, mate. I'm, I'm not like that. Um, can you give us a story about how you got into pool originally? I played snooker when I was a boy. And uh, Parkhead, nice wee part of Glasgow. <laughs> and uh, I moved away. And um, this guy, I, I was playing snooker. I, I was working for the British Steel. I was playing snooker, and the guy came up to me and he wanted a game at snooker. And uh, we started playing for money. And uh, a long time, this is way back in the 1970s, 1975, 76. How old were you then? 21, 22. Oh. And he, he went like, he said, well, we'll play for money and I'll, I'll give you 25 a start. Well, that was good enough for me. That was fine. Uh, he ended up owing me £500. And we ended up going out for a, a wee fight in the back. The, the thing. <sighs> and he turned out to be one of my best friends, George Money. And he, unknown to me, he stayed in the same block of flats in Anderson in the town. And he asked me to come and play pool his pool team. The tables then, uh, I, I can't tell you how bad they were. There were little yeah. round pockets when the ball went in and did a wee circle before it dropped. Oh, all that sort of thing. And uh, I took it up then. That was in uh, 1976, 1977. Yeah, so I mean, you, you started quite late then. I mean, most of the people I talk to now, you know, they say how they started when they were eight years old, nine years old. You you started quite late, really. Yeah, but pool, the kind of game wasn't there. And that, yeah. I, I was there at the start. Yeah, yeah. So uh, even talking about the tables, the tables weren't even made. Do you know what I mean? We never had Super League or anything like that. So I started right at the start, but unfortunately I was 
and my yellow twenty-seven. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, as I said, you've you've had loads of mentions on the show. What would you say is your greatest achievement within pool? <laughs> greatest achievement in pool? Uh, me? me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would say, without a doubt, if you had to do it all over again, play for my country. Oh yeah, that's yeah. it. Play for my country. Putting that top on, play for Scotland, going out there and playing for your country is the best thing you can ever do. Yeah, fair play. That's absolutely amazing. So, I mean, you're both, obviously, you, you promote the game, you've, you've got your own business. Would you like to give us a bit of background on the business, guys? Oh, well, listen, I don't have my own business. I help a little bit of packaging. I'll pass you over to the boss now. But you were the one that started it because you came up with the idea for the tables. Basically, the idea of the table, yeah, yeah. Okay, then. The EBA, the European Black Ball Association, some, some years ago, um, Oh, I don't know how when it, when it was. They they asked me in to say that there was a, a table called simply pool tables, and the pockets were massive. I mean, you think you see the pockets on ultimate pool right now being massive? These were even bigger. And they said, Ross, can can we get a, a, a pocket size that international players will be happy with? So it's not. Too, so I came up with this pocket size, and I went to um, simply pool and gave it. Up. And, and basically, simply people went into Optima to be very short this up. And they, we, we, they developed a table for the EBA. And then later on, I thought, well, why don't I get a table that we could actually use as international level? It started for that, but to be honest with you, I never thought it was going to go like this. Uh, black ball tables is, just went phenomenon and well, you, she never, did it all you never came up with the idea of actually creating our own our own business our own brand no, no, no. until 2018 wasn't it yeah um okay. when you went and had a meeting with them and, and we started it and, and we had we had no idea where it was going to go the, the only the good thing that we knew <laughs> was we didn't have to invest um a great amount in it thank goodness um um and we wouldn't have been selling you know nobody was going to be getting credit especially at the beginning of a business if, if we we came out with the idea and we basically put the information out there and god rest his soul alan marshall alan marshall was the one who placed the first order for tables for the eppf yeah or is yes. it efpb or one epbf right wheels yes and and they still have them they still use them yes and then we started with an order of 20 tables um in Scotland that we um, distributed around and it. And it literally started from there. It was about September 2018. Um, and everything was going really well, wasn't it? It was it was ticking along nicely. We, we got um, a few a few events, a few associations um, and growing nicely, I've got to say. And then COVID happened. Mm. And, and that was quite interesting because we've got a different experience than a number of businesses. It actually, it, it was... It was fantastic for black ball tables yeah. because people wanted pool tables at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we were in a position that we could then sell said pool tables. So we we actually introduced a diner in that time as well, which was uh, it was a genius move, really, because people were looking. They maybe didn't have the space and it meant that it was a dual purpose. Yeah. They, they could use it as a dining table or a table as well as a pool table. Um, and things really took off, but more because it opened the doors to normal people and families as opposed to just the pool player. We'd only really been just the pool player at that point. So, you know, and, and listen, I, I know not everybody's experience of, of COVID was good one, but from we 
we we we can't. It's not that you can't thank it. We we just we're grateful for what happened to us as a business. Probably like the toilet roll people, manufacturers at the time, and and you know those who made hand sanitizer. There's there's always winners in this type of thing, isn't it? And it didn't do us any harm whatsoever. But we progressed on from that after a couple of years because I had people coming up to me and saying, right, I've got my table. I need a brush, or I need a table cover. So we started sourcing things like that and then selling them, but not online. We were just selling them to the people that were buying tables. And then we decided to actually uh, do an e-commerce website, which was blackballtables.com at the time, and start selling queues and cases and, and things like that. Um, and that went ridiculously well. We more than doubled the turnover for the accessories, as you would imagine, because now we were being dedicated to that. And so we needed to bring in another member of staff. And Morgan, my, our son, came in full time. And he's doubled it even since then. It's um, And we relaunched, we rebranded a couple of weeks ago, don't on we? Q-World. So we're now on qworld.com. Um, and it's going fabulously well. And it's still a family business. We're all really, really passionate about it. It's very time-consuming, um, but when I think it's when it's your own business, you, you don't mind that because you're it, you're the one effectively that, that's getting the the benefit and and the happy customers. And we all like happy customers. We don't like the not so happy ones, but unfortunately in business you you always end up with that. But we've had more, many, many, many more happy customers, and hopefully we'll have more to come than we've had not so. So it's it's fantastic. We love it. Yeah, that's brilliant. That is good. Um, yeah, fair play to you. You know, as you say, with COVID, it wasn't it wasn't great to everyone. But listen, at the end of the day, if you can get your business going in a time that's tough, you know, amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, and when you were home based, because the business um, was home based, then we we were locked down. We couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So we, I went from a bedroom to to the spare room, which was the office and and sort of, you know, we grew it from there. Yeah. So give me something to do. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Did you find the distribution hard with it being COVID or was it easy enough to get tables to your customers? It was because the fitters were self-employed, so they were earning nothing. So mm. they were more than happy to go to the factory and collect tables and then deliver them. So from that, it's just like Amazon. I mean, Amazon flourished, didn't it, yeah. at that point, because it, it, it was a, a delivery business. Um, so, no, it was it worked out well for us. Everything just lined up. Uh, from that point of view yeah fair play i mean there's a there's a lot of places that are selling you know tables or they're they're separately selling cues and and other items you know cloths etc etc do you find the competition hard with what you're doing or do you think that you know your people are are searching for yourselves quite a bit of that we've got quite a lot of people that know who we are um, and one of the things we've strived to do, because I, I used to be in sales before I started reffing, really. Um, and to me, I, I know it's all about customer service. So we like to get, to do the best that we can to give that customer service experience because we know people will come back. And that's exactly what you've got to do. You want to make sure. thing is, see people that buy a pool table. They're a customer for life for as long as they've got that pool table. They're always going to need chalk or maybe their table recovered or a new queue or a new case. So you're going to constantly have that repeat business. So if you can get it right with the customer care and the experience that they have, they'll they'll just keep coming back. Um, And, you know, we see that regularly, names popping through that we've seen before. And in fact, we've actually just launched a rewards program with our new 
website, which gives people 5% of their purchase to use on future purchases. So they're actually crediting, you know, they're gaining credit. It's basically a 5% discount. But you don't get it off that order. You get it off your future order. Yeah. So it's, it's like a, it's called the Q Room. It's like a mini club that we've got for, for our members. So <coughs> that's good. It's a way to reward them, you know. That's good. So how did... Um originally before it was called on q wall and, and, and on, on q, q world, world on q world sorry and you originally started how did the idea come up for that for starting the business well that was just ross come up with this idea about doing a table which was that it was quite daunting at the time um on how we were going to actually manage to do that um and and it's it kind of started with a computer a phone line and um, the fact that we knew we could place orders with the factory and it literally grew from there once he'd made or once he'd spoken to the factory hadn't you to to find out if we could come up with a table um, yeah I, I, see this is what happens she puts herself down <laughs> basically what it is is uh, Michaela is a, is a workaholic and uh, she set this thing up okay I mean we came up with the idea but basically, I have nothing at all to do, and I try to tell this to people who phone me and say, look, Ross, can you get me a table? Yeah, I'll put you in touch with the, the good lady. But I, I can't emphasise this enough. She works, I don't know how many hours. I mean, right now, you'll probably bring this up, she's doing the 900 series. She goes down to London and all that. But even when she's not doing it, she's on... Everything is about... On cue, everything's about this, and she just never knows when to stop. Um, sometimes it really, sometimes she can be really demanding, <laughs> and I mean she can really tell me what off. Um, but the whole thing, the whole success is down to her. Down to her. Morgan was the first thing. Morgan did really well, but he was the first thing to see his mum. That's it, and that's how it's just grown because she's went into it as a business aspect. She went in and hired people to do this and learn this and learn that. And uh, it's, it's quite incredible, actually. When when we started, I never knew a single thing about export. Um, it's amazing the information that you gain yeah. as you, as you're going through that. Because I mean, we actually export all over the world, um, and you you have to learn all about shipping and um, the different forms and everything. So it, it's all a learning curve, but uh, it it's great. I love it. Yeah, I do love it. Uh, and, you know, the whole idea is that we're working hard to then hopefully hand it over to the boys um, and we can retire and go and sail around the world or something. Well, I thought I was retired. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. I thought I was retired, but I've been told no. Help with the packaging. That's it. Yeah, I, and don't ask customers. Don't talk to them. Don't talk no, to customers. Don't talk to customers. You know, no, no, no. They're like, I've got no idea what he said. <laughs> this is what I have to build with. You know? Oh, it's brilliant. It's all good stuff. It's all good. Do you have, um, you know, have you had any big names ask for tables? You know, whether they be whether they be kind of pool or snooker players or any famous names that may be coming for them. Yes, right. So oh. forget the pool and the snooker players, right? Okay. I'm not even interested. There are none on no level, no level at all. No, you've got snooker players. And yeah, but I don't care okay. about okay. it. Who is Walder Frey? <laughs> Walder Frey has uh, our diner. Yes, he was. He was. David Bradley. Mr. Filch from yep. Harry Potter, yeah? Yep, he uh. has our diner. He's he's my, the most famous person that we know. Well, she's in the Game of Thrones, yeah, as you know. I know. Oh, yeah. I was like, 
Morgan, um, Morgan said to me, because he'd phoned, and he went, you're never going to believe this. And I was like, what is it? And he went, I've been speaking to Walter Frey. I'm like, what? <laughs> he went, he's got one of our tables. And he phoned, I can't remember, He was. I think he was looking for some cues or something. Um, I was like, you are joking. I thought, I've got to phone. I've got to make a reason to phone because I have to speak to him. I have to hear his voice. It's incredible. It, it really was that voice. Unbelievable. Yep, that's he's unreal. the famous one. Yeah, that is that is unreal. You know, it's, it, pretty much everyone's seen Harry Potter or Game of Thrones. You know, most yes. people have seen both. But They've seen both, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so... Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Someone's seen either one of them, so yeah, that's a that's a big name. Fair play, that's that's brilliant. Does he does he play? Is he playing, or is it just for just for the dining? I think it's no, no, he is playing, but not like of any level. I think it's more a a, a leisurely activity. Um, I haven't spoken to him since, so I, I don't. I don't know how he's getting on, but I did say to him, if you need anything, you give me a buzz. That's I'll look it. after you. That's it. You'll, have to, you'll have to find another reason to give him a call. I know. I See, know. Th- this, is the fun- this is the funny thing. Like, you talk about famous uh, um, uh, things, that uh, famous people. Right? Um, this, this was nothing to do with the, the, the pool tables. Uh, Jimmy White had a, a 50th reunion at Grosvenor Hotel, uh, and he could make all this sort of kind of money. It was tax-free. And uh, so I went down. Everybody was there, you know, the Rolling Stones and all that sort of thing. So at the end of the, the, the end of the, well, near the end of the night, I see this guy. Now I don't walk over and ask anybody for an autograph or a photograph. I'm not like that. I just don't do that. But this guy is one of my heroes. Okay. So I walk over to him and I go, I says, uh, he's just standing at a pillar on his own. I said, hey, would you mind if I uh, had a photograph with you? And the guy, he says, yeah, no problem. Really nice. Yeah, no problem. So what, the guy comes, his pal starts taking a photograph of me. And I turned around and says, look, would you mind if I go and get my wife over and bring her over to have your photograph of you? And again, no, no problem whatsoever. So I go over, bring her over. And he goes, oh, Michaela. Oh, Michaela. I'm a big fan of yours. You know what I mean? And that, that person was Sir Anthony McCoy. You know what I mean? Tony McCoy. Oh, and he just, he just wanted... You've got to be into horse racing and things like that, which I've yeah, always been yeah, into. Yeah. Uh, but he's just one of, he's just such a nice, nice, nice guy. He's just one of the nicest guys you've ever met. And that was him. Oh, Michaela, I'm so, so happy. Oh. And it just shows you, uh, you know, people will get to see, have their own heroes and what they like. And he That's loves it, to yeah. up, you know what I mean? He, was, he came late after racing uh, just to say, well done, Jimmy, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Michaela, did you did you give Ross a little nudge after that? Just like, hey, oh. <laughs> no, 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 there was there was poker players, or everybody was there. You know, we just wanted. Oh, Devilfish was there. Right? Yeah, Devilfish, he's passed since then. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, it was a it was an amazing night, amazing weekend actually. That oh, um, it's too long. What, what we yeah, we don't have time to go into that, but it was uh, it was really really eye opening, and there was some some big names, wasn't there? Yeah, it was it was good. But yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, one of the things that I'll never be able to take away and I'm very, very thankful for in my career is I've been to some wonderful places all over the world and I've met some absolutely fabulous people. I mean, I've actually refed snooker, I should say referee, I should say it properly, (laughs) in Buckingham Palace. I mean, that's That's, one of my absolute dream moments. Um, I I was was amazing. It was uh, with Dennis Taylor and, and Steve Davis. 
She's a royalist. Yeah, yeah, no, I adored it. You know, but those those memories, the those evenings, those experiences, you never forget. They they stay with you forever. Yeah, I can imagine definitely. So just just going back onto the, the snooker referee inside of things, Michaela. What was the most entertaining match you ever officiated? Oh, oh my goodness! Entertaining, entertaining. Yeah. Well, it has to be something that's entertaining. For the start. It's got to be Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Ronnie. Oh no, Ronnie was always it was pressure. It was always pressure with Ronnie. You oh, don't bet, you yeah. don't get entertained with Ronnie. Ooh. Everybody else might, but the ref doesn't. Normally, the refs on the end of uh, yeah. <coughs> a, a bit of trouble and strife. Um, I, I mean, because the thing with Ronnie is you never know, maybe not so much now, but a good few years ago, you didn't really know what Ronnie you were going to get, whether you were going to get the good mood Ronnie or the bad mood Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember ref in a semi-final of um, Northern Ireland Open, actually, and against Ali Carter, and I, and I got the moody Ronnie. I, oh, he, he was in a mood when he came out. And it's gone 2-2. Two, 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 and the thing is, you never settle, especially when you know Ronnie's on edge. You never yeah. settle. I, I mean, you've seen, you, you've all seen, you know, he puts a cute towel <coughs> over his head. And, and that was, it was in that time when he, he was having um, issues mentally with his mental health. Mm-hmm. So we've gone to the interval and we've come back out and I'm like, right, here we go again. Two all. And I've had to re-spot. He spotted the pink and I've had to re-spot it. And I'm looking at the pack and I think there, you look at the pack and you go, Holy crap! I think there's a space there for it to go in the middle. Yeah. And you're like, is it big enough that I have to put it in there, or is it maybe not that I can just stick it at the back? And I've looked at it, and and Ronnie's actually gone, well, you don't think that can go in there? <laughs> and I'm like, I think it might. That can't possibly go in there. And I've started to put it at the back of the pack, and then I've thought, no, I'm not going to be bullied. Yeah. So I've gone no, and I've pulled it away from the back of the pack, and I've got my ball marker out, and I've put the ball marker down, and I've now removed a red. And he's like, oh, I forgot you could do that. Right, okay. In fact, I think I've moved two reds. You did. And I've I've put the pink in, and I've started to to um, move it over to the center line, and he's now at the top of the table, going, oh, bit more, bit more, right, okay. And then at the point I couldn't get it any further, we realised it didn't quite go. Yeah. But I've taken it back out, put the reds back, and I've put it at the back of the pack. See, like that, different Ronnie. Completely changed. Now he's in a happy place. Now, bang, 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 5-2, fast as you like. Unbelievable. Um, I've seen that on the television a few times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, know. He's, um, he's actually in a great mood. Yeah, he's no, smiling at me. And I'm, as I'm moving it over, he's like, bit more, bit more. I said, I could do this faster if it, without your help sort of thing. It was, um, yeah, a bit sort of joker. But, yeah, no, you don't normally get entertainment with Ronnie. Although, obviously, when he's on any of these breaks, when he's doing them ultra fast and you're just whizzing around the table as yeah, fast bet, as you yeah. can, it's, it's quite entertaining. Yeah, yeah. No, couldn't, I don't know. I, don't, I can't really think about that. Other than, I do a lot of work with the Snooker Legends when they have their events. That was Jason Francis that, that started that. And he brought, the, he brought the, the people back. I tell you, let's forget the entertaining. Let's go for to one of my most memorable and entertaining. Um, he brought, Alex Higgins back to the Crucible and it was his, as far as we know it was his last match before he sadly passed and he brought Cliff Thorburn over so the first time he was the man that brought the legends back which is why they're called Snooker Legends so we were in the Crucible doing the very first ever Snooker Legends event That's, that's correct and we had um he made the lineup so that 
uh, Cliff Thorburn and Alex were playing each other, and it was like 20 years since they'd played each other in, I can't remember what final it uh, was, in one of the finals in um, the the World Championships, and and the two of them have come out to a deafening applause, you can just imagine. I mean, these were people, nobody saw these players really much in 2010, because they, they were like the forgotten heroes. So, you know, Jason's brought these these guys sort of all back and, and given them a, a resurgence of a career. De- Dennis Taylor on the table. We have John Virgo, um, not so much playing. He was doing commentary. Yeah. He brought Kirk Stevens over. I mean, Kirk was, you know, as I was a young girl, he was this incredibly handsome, sexy, sorry, Ross, <laughs> uh, player. You know what I mean? And he brought him over. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and those are probably my most entertaining nights um, for because I was in awe of them all as well because I'm you know I was a big snicker fan um, but I mean they're cracking evenings absolutely cracking evenings um, and I get a chance to um, oh I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm sorry I'm gonna take all the the talking on here so another of my most Ross is happy with that. I know, poor, poor Ross, you need to get a show for him, was <laughs> we were down doing a Snooker Legend event in Plymouth and he had invited Ray Reardon to come along and I had never ref Ray Reardon. He had long stopped playing and he'd agreed to play a doubles match. So it was a celebrity doubles match that you had a snooker player and a member of the audience who won the opportunity to partner them. Okay. And I said to Jason, I said, because normally I spin the coin as to decide which doubles pair st- breaks off. I went, there will be no coin spinning tonight because Ray has to break off because I have never in my career had the opportunity to say Ray Reardon to break. So Jason actually told him that. So he had to go, we went away and practiced his break because he knew I was going to make him break. And that was, that was an incredible moment. That was an incredible moment to actually just be able to know that I'd, I'd announced that. It was, it was lovely, really lovely. I'm all about memories and these are the kind of, they stay with you, these memories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's amazing. And to have so many good ones, it must feel just rewarding, you know, for the, for the work you've put in for it. Yeah, absolutely. Ask her who her favourite snooker player is. Is it Ross? <laughs> It's my, my fave. I've got lots of them. I'm yeah, very friendly yeah, yeah. with lots of them. But my favourite is Steve Davis. I love Steve Davis. Yeah. He's uh, he's hilarious. When when we've been doing exhibitions and things, he's so full of stories. He's got an incredible memory. Um, and uh, apart from which, he's a really, really lovely and generous guy. I've, I've stayed at his house with his um, girlfriend a couple of times when we've been working together. And he's then driven me on to sort of the next night's work. Um, but he starts telling these stories. And you're in a club that's not got an electronic scoreboard. So it's one of these ones when you're reffing, which is the hardest reffing you've ever got to do when it's manual, because you've got to remember the score. Oh, yeah, and course. then he starts a story in the <laughs> middle of a break. And then, and, and I'm, you know, you're just looking and listening to him. And then he goes, right, where were we? And I'm like, oh, no, idea. <laughs> no idea what the score was. You just get involved. And, and, and he's, his sense of humour is absolutely fantastic. He's so dry. He just... He could do a high break of 20 in the evening and nobody would remember that it was only a 20 because he's got so many stories that he tells as the evening goes on. It's thoroughly entertaining. Really, really good fun. Yeah, that's brilliant. Amazing stories, to be fair. I I love listening to them. Something that, you know, I was kind of intrigued about, you know, when you first started, was there kind of any players that maybe gave you some stick or you felt like because you were a, a female, they... They kind of weren't treating you the same way, or 
they're not not a huge amount and nobody that, that really sort of worth much of a mention to be honest um what i would on the opposite of that the very first professional ranking event that i did was at the uh, cardiff open in 2023 which is a welsh open in those days and it was um ken doherty and james uh, watana and we were in a booth and this was a sort of introduction to booths because all the challenge tours that I'd been doing previous to that were in snicker clubs. So like Harrogate and Stockport snicker clubs and uh, Swindon. Um, so you weren't in this booth situation. And with the, um, you had to use the zapper, we would call it, which is, so you're keeping score. Mm-hmm. Well, I had an absolute mare of a match. I've, um, I've managed to cock the scoring system up on more than one occasion. Um, I've had a free ball situation that I've called in correctly because nobody would ever shown me how to, to judge a free ball properly. And they asked for a second opinion and, and Laurie-Anne and Dale came in and gave it and it, it, was, it wasn't me. And it, to all at the interval, I'm, I'm in absolute pieces. Um, and after the interval, you, you, you get your two players and we come down in the lift to come back to the, the table. And I've actually, I've apologised. I said, I'm, I'm really sorry um, about the, you, you know, the, the mess I'm making. And um, Ken turned around and says, don't worry, it's the only way you can learn and the change needs to happen. Um, And it was like the support that I was being given. Oh, God, it makes me want to cry just thinking about it. It was it meant so much because it was so difficult and I was under so much pressure. But to know that I had the support of people that I I respected. So see those little ones that didn't weren't supportive Mm because they were being sexist. I don't care about them. Yeah. I had the people in my corner that meant something. Fair play. Absolutely fair play. Um, so I know Ross mentioned before the, the 900 series, was it? Yes. Um, would you like to tell us a bit, little bit about that? So Jason Francis, again, has, um, he's created this series. It's similar to uh, the Snooker Shootout, and it's called the 900 series. It's 15-minute matches and 20-second shot clock, and if you multiply them together, you get your, your 900 and it's only for amateurs. And he started it last year. Um, and it's on um, the TV channel. I don't know whether I'm allowed to say it, so I won't say it. So it's, but it's on a, like a betting channel that um, bookmakers use because they're looking for live um, sport so that their customers have got something to bet on. 427 in Sky, by the way. 427 in Sky. 427, nice. <laughs> um, so it's live. I don't know. This was going to be a, the, the biggest challenge. It was going to happen. Is live from <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. I'm normally in my pyjamas by 9 o'clock at night. I'm probably normally in my pyjamas by 6 o'clock at night, aren't I, if we're not doing anything? <laughs> 10 o'clock at night we start until 1 in the morning. Um, and we've got, on a Monday, we've got eight players. And the, the four players who win their first match go through to the Wednesday. And the four players who lose, effectively, the quarterfinal go through to the Tuesday. Joined by another four players. And then we've got eight again on the Tuesday. And four winners go through to the Wednesday. Eight players play each other. And and then the eight winners over eight weeks. So it's eight weeks that this runs consecutively. Okay. Then we have a week off and then we have our eight winners and we go back and the winner um, wins £10,000. And for an amateur, and that's a huge yeah. prize. Um, and we're in our second season this year. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. My, my favourite snooker, other than the World Championships, because obviously the World Championships, you, you can't, um, come close to comparing it to anything else was the snooker shootout 
because I came from an American pool background. So I came from the noise and the razzmatazz and, mm. and, and so the snooker shootout was similar. Where So this is that kind of format, it's fast paced, you've got to hit a cushion either before or after you contact the ball. You've got 20 seconds and, and that's what I prefer over it than the shootout. It doesn't take, it doesn't make a mockery, you know, trying to play a shot in 10 seconds like the snooker shootout does is, is just ridiculous. It takes the skill out of it for the players. Yeah. This one's got 20 seconds all the way through for your 15 minutes um, and that's it. And and you know what, it was it, it's happened a couple of times. They're playing safe, the red ball's up the bulk end, so they can't play off the pack and go up bulk. So they're going off a cushion and coming into the reds and going off in a cushion and can't. And this goes on, this can go on for a, a fair period of time. I stand in there, my hands behind my back going, do what you like, I don't care. <laughs> 15 minutes. At the end of the 15 minutes, whatever the score is, we've either got a winner or we're doing a blue ball shootout. Could you imagine doing a best of seven or anything like that at 10 o'clock at night? It, it would have just been, it would have failed. And the bookies are loving it because hardly any favourites are winning. Yeah. So it's it's really so open. I mean, the guy that won it last year, a guy called Anthony Parsons, you know, who's he as far as anybody's concerned? And he won £10,000. It's fabulous, fabulous. Uh, it's, listen, it's tiring. I fly down on a Monday, fly back on a Thursday, work in my hotel room all day on on, on Road and then get ready to go to work at 10 o'clock at night. But I, mean? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't not have it. I just wouldn't not have it. I just love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's good. I, I can see the enthusiasm you have, you know, regarding the sport and your work. And it's, as Ross said earlier, workaholic, but it's so, it's quite refreshing to see. I quite, I quite enjoy seeing yeah, it. it I, yeah, you wouldn't be like that if you didn't enjoy it. I of think that's, that's, that's the main thing, isn't it? It's not about the money. You've got to, you've got to like what you're doing. Otherwise, you'd look for something else to do. You would look for another career, wouldn't you? Yeah. That's it, yeah. What would you say, Michaela, to anybody that was considering, you know, pursuing a, a career in officiating in, in Q world, in like in Q sports? It's it's very tough. Um, it's I've had a fair number of knocks over the years because what people don't realise is it's everybody, all the players expect the ref to be right. So if you make a good call, nobody applauds you for it. It's what they expect you to do, mm-hmm. but. They're on your case very, very quickly if you make a bad call yeah. or if they're not happy with your decision. So you're never actually. It's, it's almost like a thankless job, refing. You've got you've got to have a certain level of a bloody good um, backbone on you to be able to stand up to it. But you know, I mean, I mean, obviously you you do. You come across some characters like Earl Strickland in America, American Pool, and 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 Ronnie. You know what I mean? You've you've got to be able to to deal with that because if you don't, you're just going to get eaten up by them because. You are the forgotten, Not it's not a hero, but you are the forgotten person in that match. You're expected to do the job that you're doing. Um, so it is, it's almost like a thankless task. And, and there's, it, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's very mentally difficult. Physically as well, some of the matches, you could be out there yeah. for a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, it's if they've got the passion, I would definitely say go for it. But you've got to have the passion because you need that something to keep you going. Brilliant answer. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. So Ross, I've let you I've let you relax for a little while, but I'm going to bring you back in now. Um, there's a right. there's a little segment that I do every week with when I have pool players or snooker players on the show, and I let them choose their own five aside team, and it puts them on on the spot a little bit. But it's players oh. that you've played with, and would you like to give us a five aside team of your own? Five aside team. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I've I've <laughs> I played with practically. 
Five as eighteen. Yeah, this, it's, it puts people on the spot, you know. Okay, right. Okay, well. Uh, first question: What rules? <laughs> it, it's, any, any, any rules? Any rules? Well, that... I know it sounds stupid, but the rules are no, yeah, this... completely different. If it was, a, if it was the old rules, if it was the old tippy tappy, tippy tappy, a different team. Uh, I'll just give you the five who are, I think are the best. Okay. Uh, Tommy Dolan. Okay. Patricia. His sister-in-law, Sue Thompson, Jason Shaw. Yep. Oh my God, there's millions. There's absolutely millions in there. Dan Appleton. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Boyle. I, I was going to say, I think you need to put another Scottish one in there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But I mean, it's so hard. I mean, I mean, we'll get so many. There's so many great players yeah, all over the world. Do you know what I mean? It's so, It's such yeah. a tough question. Um, you know, I know everyone that I have on the show. They've played with as you say millions of players um so it's it's hard but i like to put people on the spot because you oh, know you put me on the spot there, right? no. it's it's, it's <laughs> live so <laughs> no cheers for that ross i appreciate it so what does the future hold for on q world yeah, no. we just want to keep keep growing where we're at um morgan keeps bringing new products in which is fabulous so we're we're constantly evolving what we're able to sell um and personally I'd, I'd like it to grow um, we want to get our own premises because we don't currently have premises it's been a bit difficult the other side of covid is the the business side of it's been a bit difficult so we've just stayed put where we are so we'd like to expand it that way and and then we can bring in more staff so we can expand further that way i'd like to be able to, as i said i'd like to be able to sort of step back I, i'll never let it go because i'm too much of a control freak i'll be honest with you on holiday weren't we in the summer we're cruising and uh where were we i don't think we, i think we're in st thomas or somewhere like that and I, i'm up on the uh in the breakfast buffet area on the computer working away when it's your own business, you don't get a holiday as such. But it would be nice to take step back and take a lesser role and and let the boys sort of get on with it, so that we could spend some more. Time. I, I like time off as well. I've got to say, but also, also I'm a control freak. I do I, I do bother. I do phone them and text them and go, "How's everything going?" But then that'll come in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I will be dead before she goes up uh, running this business. That's for sure. And it, okay, I could die tomorrow. But what I'm trying to say is that uh, it's, she, she can't get away with going one way or the other. It's a passion. She said it herself. Yeah. She loves what she does. She loves talking to customers. She just loves the whole thing. I just, I, I would probably be an alcoholic if it wasn't working. Because <laughs> it's like, what else do you do then? I would have to find new hobbies and things, and I don't want to go to the gym and do that every day. You know what I mean? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We'll see what the future holds. Listen, yeah. guys, it's been absolutely amazing speaking to you both. I've, you know, I've asked everything that, that I want to ask. I'd just give this, give you a couple of minutes to maybe give any shout outs that you'd like to give to anybody that may be listening right now. Oh, who might be listening? Oh, um, well, I don't know if he's going to be listening or not, but Jason Shaw, he's on the 900 this next week coming. Okay. So he's somebody that if, if he is listening, come on, son. You got to hud your own here in the pool world. Snooker. Um, snooker. Well, yeah, but in the pool, yeah, okay, yeah, I, on a snooker table, but in the pool world. Um, I don't know who's who's got to be listening. Well, Rob, we've got to remember the European Championships are on just now in Malta, so the majority of a whole 
hundreds of people that we know are over there. So they definitely won't be listening. Well, so- I've told them. I've I've told the ones that I know from here that have gone over. They have to still listen. You know, they're my, they're my fans, so they've <laughs> ah, <laughs> you know right. they've still got okay. to listen. So um, I've sent I've sent a big chalk talk banner over. So as uh, they best be. Uh, they best be staying faithful. But, you know, if they're playing on the table, I understand, obviously. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Um, if Darren Appleton's listening, um, no idea if he is or not. I just, uh, I'm just wishing him all the best, obviously, with his continued recovery. Mm-hmm. That was a huge, huge scare um, that we all suffered at that point. But it seems to be, seems to be out there again, travelling and, and doing what he loves. So that's good. Yeah. So Darren's agreed to come on the show um, towards the end of November. So if he hasn't listened, I'll, uh, I'll make sure he knows that you... That you passed on them kind words okay yes and it was kind words so when you say oh we've heard good words about you yeah it'll be you know it'll be true <laughs> no that's excellent guys listen i really appreciate you being on the show um i'm just going to close out the show now but if you just hang on for a minute i'll have a little a little chat with you after okay no problem thank you very much cheers guys that was michaela tab and ross mckinnis thank you for being here tonight i hope you've enjoyed the show guys i'm just going to close out with a couple of mentions to our show sponsors so firstly to the guys out in finland tawam um please check out the website and thank you for your continued support with them and also to potter's club up in swaddlingco um please go and check out potter's cues they've still got loads available and also a couple of competitions this month. They've got a flyer on the 11th of November. It's a £5 entry, 5pm start, double elimination, and it's international rules. And on Sunday, the 26th of November, there's a 64-man double elimination, black ball rules, £15 entry, 9 o'clock in the morning start, and pros will start on minus two. Please contact Vinnie Loden if you have any interest in either of them. But for now, that's myself. That's Michaela and Ross. I hope you all have a great weekend. I hope the weather holds out and uh, look after yourselves. Thank you very much. This show is part of Microbrew Radio, Burton on Trent's community radio station. You can hear this and plenty of other shows over on microbrewradio.com. Find our app on the iOS or Android stores or just say Alexa, play Microbrew Radio. And if you like what you hear, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Thanks.